Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses, reading verses 25 through 33. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Now, I'd like to draw your attention back to verse 25. And in verse 25, notice those words that Paul spoke to the people. And in verse 25, he said, Eat whatever is sold in the the meat market, asking no questions for content's sake. So Paul is saying... He's saying that, you know, if, if say, say if a guy is sitting with his family members and, and they're, they're, they're talking about dinner and so, um, or uh, about uh, what to eat for dinner, and I know my wife does that too, um, she'll say, um, so what, what would you like for dinner this week? And, and so um, I, for one, um, I, I happen to enjoy carne asada a lot <laughs> and beans and rice and tortillas and um, salsa, of course. And so, um, and and so, I, I see this scenario happening. If uh, so, a father back in, in the Jewish home, uh, if the wife would ask, "Well, what, what do you want us to prepare for for meal this week?" and then uh, they said, "You know what? Meat. We want meat. I want meat now." And so, so the guy heads out to their local meat market and and, and purchases the the meat and says, "You know what? Um, I want that that meat." And so Paul is saying, if you go to that meat market and say, I want that one, the, no, not the small one, that one. I'm talking the big one. I want that big one right there. And if you go there, 
don't ask the guy that's behind the counter, you know, cutting you the meat and getting it prepared for you. Don't ask him. Don't say, oh, by the way, sir, sir, by the way, was that meat right there offered to an idol or not? <laughs> Paul says, don't ask that question. He is saying, just go there, purchase the meat, and enjoy it. And don't let it bother your conscience. It doesn't need to bother your conscience as you bring it to the family to, to have a meal together. It doesn't need to bother your conscience for two reasons. You may want to write this down. For two reasons, it shouldn't bother your conscience when, when you purchase that, uh, that garnia saba. Um, number one, the first reason. Let's say if the meat was offered to idols, know this. Idols are what? They're false. Idols are false. There's only one true living God. And we know who that is, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, it speaks about that. It says, therefore concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. And that there is no other God but one. So if a meat is brought before an idol, and the idol is nothing, the meat is not contaminated. It's okay to get it and eat away. Number two. Oh, by the way, with that meat, just make sure it's marinated pretty good and you have a tortilla. <laughs> Number two. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God under the heavens. And he has given us all the food to enjoy. So if we choose to eat meat, it's a decision. If we choose to eat meat or anything else for that matter, it's okay to do so. You're not restricted. It's okay to do so. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4, there the Bible says, Everything that God created is good and nothing shall be rejected. Now, in verse 26... Paul reinforces those two points that it's okay to, to eat meat because God created everything. It's okay to do so. Notice with me in verse 26, Paul reinforces that thought. In verse 26, it says, For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Now, this verse is actually, and, and they still do this to this day, in, in the Jewish homes, and, and I know we're going to be going to Israel in a, in, in a couple years, and I pray that uh, you all will be able to, to go there to um, uh, walk the Holy Land. You get to walk where Jesus walked. And you're going you're gonna to see Jewish men, and you're going you're gonna to experience what they call the Shabbat. The Shabbat is so cool. Why is it so cool? Well, because on Friday, everything shuts down. I think we as... Um, and here in, uh, in this nation, we need to practice this Shabbat. Everything just closes down like at Friday, right? But, you know, what do we do? We get on our iPhones, we do emails, and we hang out. We just keep, we do busy. We're just so busy. And being busy is not necessarily good. Someone said busy, uh, the acronym stands for it is uh, being under Satan's yoke, busy. And just being so busy. So at the Shabbat, and, and, and there in Jerusalem, where we're going to be going to, everything kind of shuts down. Um, they don't prepare m meals, and, and I know the wives really like that. <laughs> um, and they don't even push elevators. They don't push elevators. They have elevators that go to every single floor. Yeah, so if you're staying like on the 12th floor, you'll get there like in three hours. <laughs> and so, um, 
so why am I saying all that? Um, they have some very good practices, and that's one practice I really appreciate. Another practice is, is uh, what they have is before they eat the meat, before they eat the food, um, they, they say a prayer of blessing. They say a prayer of blessing to the Lord. And that prayer of blessing is in Psalm, I mean, it's in um, this verse, verse 26. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. They say that to, to the Lord. And that's recorded in Psalms 24, verse 1. Psalms 24, verse 1. So tonight, when you have your meal or your lunch in, in a little while, if you want to say that, Lord, thank you for this food. And by the way, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. So I'm going to eat this right now. <laughs> so Paul knew that, that everything belonged to the Lord. And Paul also knew the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does the Lord Jesus Christ say something concerning eating food? He does. In Mark chapter 7, verse 14, in Mark chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus said, There is nothing that enters a man from the outside, when you put it in your mouth, from the outside, that defiles him. But the things which come out of man, those are the things that defile a man. Those are the things that defile a man. So Paul's point is that Christians can enjoy any meat in their home and have a clean and clear conscience while they, while they are eating. And all families, and like they practice it um, in, um, in, in Israel, and like verse 26, all families also should thank the Lord and bless God and to say, Lord, thank you for this meal. If you have got um, out of that habit to um, just pause real quick um, and, and as you eat your meal and, 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 um, and just give thanks to the Lord, I would encourage you, I strongly would encourage you in this, uh, get back into, the, into that practice, just thanking the Lord. Yeah, even at work. I mean, even at work, it doesn't need to be like an hour prayer. You don't have to pray in the King James and put your head down and, you know, <laughs> you're there at the, the, the company's um, lunch station, lunch area in the back. And you don't have to say, oh, thank you, Lord, from the heavens, from the earth, Lord. Thank you for this food. Oh, bless you. Hallelujah. And, you know, be aware they're going to throw their apple at you. <laughs> and but and if you just pause and just say, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for providing this job for me. And I may not like and may not appreciate, but, but I have work and able to, to work and use my hands and use my mind and, and um, earn a paycheck and, and thus go to the store and, and buy some food and provide for me. So just thank you, Lord. I'm just, I'm just thankful. I, I believe that the Lord always wants us to be thankful people. And we don't even have to wait to Thanksgiving to have a heart of appreciation then. We could be thankful people. I believe the Lord always wants us to be broken people before his holy presence. And just saying, Lord, without you, I'm nothing. Lord, I recognize you are the one that have provided for my life. You provided me to have salvation. You have given the first gift and the, the gift of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, for God so loved the world that he gave. So God's a giver and God has blessed us abundantly, hasn't he? You guys are taken care of. We, you know, we have clothes. We have food. We have a roof over our head, and there are so many people that are on, um, less fortunate than us. And I just pray that 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 God would just cause us to always um, be thankful and grateful people. I, for one, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for for my salvation. I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for our church family. And so there's so much to be grateful for versus um, a lot of things not to be grateful for. So let's be grateful people. Now, in um, in verse 26. Paul 
um, paints this interesting picture. He, ain't, he paints an interesting picture is that if someone would, would send you a message and they would invite you to come over to their house and, um, and they serve up meat on their table. So you go, you sit down, you've been invited um, 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 from an unbeliever, a non-Christian, someone that doesn't attend church or doesn't know the Lord um, and the meat is like before you staring at you and you're staring at the meat and um, you're like, what do you do? Well, Paul um, instructs us uh, what a person should do in verse 27. So in verse 27, notice what it says. It says, if any of those who do not, notice those two words, who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go. Notice, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience sake. Eat whatever is before you. Eat whatever is before you. So Paul is saying if an unbeliever invites you to eat with them, then eat. And, and, and don't get into a debate. Don't get into a debate if the meat was sacrificed to an idol or not. You, you don't have to go there. There's no point to, to go there in that conversation. You know, you have seen this, and I, I, and I have seen this too. There, there are some, uh, there's a lot of people where they, they, they love to have unnecessary debates for the sake of having a debate. If you want to have some deep conversations with people and you want to get at that level and, and to, um, to think deeply and, um, and to have some, uh, some heavy conversation around a meal, may I suggest four important questions that you could pose to people for the sake of eternity in their soul. If you want to t talk about, and a lot of times people people want to talk about um, deep issues. Um, people want to talk about politics. People want to talk about sports, and and that's all good. But here's four questions that you could ask people, in, in having some debate or deep conversation. Number one, ask them, who are we? Who are we? And of course, the answer is we are children of God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord. He guides us and he directs us. Number two, where did we come from? Where did we come from? We came from the Lord Jesus Christ. We came from the Lord Jesus Christ. And why am I here? Number three, why am I here? I'm here to give glory to God. I'm here to live my life to please God. That's the guiding principle of my life. I'm here to please the Lord, to know him, and to make him known. I'm here in life to know him and make him known. You'd be surprised how some people really don't have that, um, that way of thinking for their life. And they live life in an aimless way. Whatever's, they, they, they have this whatever attitude. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Whatever's clever, as long as it goes with the weather. And you know what? No, God, God has given us a purpose to live life. We are called to be purpose-driven people. And to know the purpose why you are here. You're here to give God glory and live your life for him. And number four, where are we going to go when we die? I know a lot of people don't like to talk about that. And, and um, sometimes people only talk about that if we're in a, a funeral setting. And it's right before us that, you know, they're... they're um, uh, a loved one or a friend had, has passed away. And so it causes us to think about e eternity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we're, we're made of um, a body. You know, we, we have this body, you know. 
This is a body. You know, we have our body, right? We have our mind. We, we learn, we grow, we discover. We also have a soul. We also have a soul. And this soul does leave the body. And I'm sorry, it doesn't like hover around a tree. <laughs> doesn't hover around a, a taco stand. <laughs> the, the, the soul departs the body. And Lord willing goes to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the, the Lord. The word present speaks about instantaneously. So you close your eyes to this world and it's so beautiful. You open your eyes and you see Jesus Christ, the lover of your soul. Those eyes of compassion, those eyes of love, those hands that, that you're going to touch, that, that Thomas touched, that were pierced for you. And that, that pierced, the, 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 when Jesus was pierced in his hand, that will be with Jesus forever. And it's going to remind you of his great love for you. Jesus is not mad at you. He loves you so much. He doesn't have like a cosmic baseball bat in heaven and wants to beat you down. God's not mad at you. You need to know that he loves you. We love him because he first loved us. It's Christianity, you know what a Christianity is all about? Christianity is about responding to love. Love is before you. What are you going to do with it? Arms is being extended to you to wrap around you. Are you going to like duck? Don't do that to me, Jesus. And he's just going to love you. He's going to love you. Love you, love you, and love you. He's a son that mounts you and mounts you with his kindness. It's the kindness of Christ that leads to repentance. And the, the, the more you learn about the Lord, the more you can't help but to, to love the Lord. So we love the Lord, and we're just thankful that we get to be with him and see him, and that's going to happen soon. So those are conversations that, that, that it's, it's healthy to have because those conversations center around eternity. doesn't center around the here and now. There's more to life than the here and now. There's more to life. I'm sorry, you Dodger fans, you Angel fans, you football. There's more to life than sports. It's the Savior. It's the Savior. And so the Lord has given us freedoms. Freedoms to eat what's before us. Freedom to, um, to enjoy the Lord and to enjoy life. Because he who the Son has set free is free indeed. You know, the, the Father, our Heavenly Father, it breaks our heart. It breaks his heart when he sees his children in bondage. It's like some of you, some of you guys are dads out there and, and, and uh, um, grandparents out there. You don't want to see your, your kids like chained up in bondage. You want them to be set free. You want them to go to like a park and you're like, run around. Here, let me throw that ball at the corner. We're going to go get it. <laughs> Have, be free. You, you are free. And, and, and freedom is never free, by the way. It always costs blood. And it was the blood of Jesus that set us free. In fact, next week, I, I encourage you to come next week. We're going to be having a tribute um, as it's Memorial Weekend this next coming week, right? And so we're going to have an honor guard here. And we're going to acknowledge um, all our veterans. And, we're, and so if you're a veteran, I thank you for your service to our, our country. And we're going to honor our veterans. And we're going to have um, color guards here. And, um, and it's going to be a moving tribute. So please put in your calendar to, to make church next week. So we thank, we thank the Lord for the freedom as given us. And so we have freedom. In the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 it says, stand fast. 
Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We as Christians should not be associated with bondage at all. And so as we are not in bondage to any food, we're also, and I like this, we're also not in bondage to whom we share a meal with. If it's a believer, cool. If it's an unbeliever, like in this passage, double cool. It's okay to do. Paul and the Lord does not prohibit socializing with non-believers. We could eat meals together. I love that. Now, now, when we do interact with people that do not know the Lord, it's so important to represent Christ to them, to give them the aroma, the scent of the Lord. And we know when the Lord Jesus Christ interacted with, with sinners, he did two things. You may want to write this down. Two things that the Lord did when he interacted with people that didn't know him. Number one, he never compromised his convictions. He never compromised his convictions. And number two, he always spoke about his father's kingdom. He always spoke about his father's kingdom. In fact, Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Jesus was capped on. He was made fun of. They were like, hey, there's Jesus. Oh, dude, Jesus, you know what he is? He's a friend to sinners. Matthew chapter 11, verse 19 speaks about that. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, look, he is a friend of the tax collectors and sinners. Know this. Non-believers, non-Christians, they don't have the plague. They don't have the plague. They are simply sinners in need of a Savior. And it's important that we show and share the love of Christ to them. If we don't, who will? Who will? For God so loved the world, that includes everyone. And people need to know the Lord. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, How can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard of Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will someone tell them unless you are sent? That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Your feet, I right hear your feet. Those feet are beautiful feet. Not, be, not because you go and, and get them trimmed and um, pampered and, I mean, I'm sure they're beautiful and smell nice there afterwards. But they're beautiful when you use your feet to walk up to people or volunteer at the, the city um, event uh, they're going to have. You don't have to be afraid. People just, they're going to walk by our booth. I guess there's supposed to be like 4,000 people there. Some of you guys attended the, 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 jambor, or the um, country jamboree. And you're just going to, they're going to walk by your booth. And you just say, here you go. This is for you. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. I, I could do that. And guess what? We have DVDs of, of uh, the story of Jesus. And like, here's a DVD. And you know what? We're just mailmen. And male women, by the way. We're just delivering the mail. The Holy Spirit uses it. And draws him to himself. I see us at Calvary Montclair, especially our first five years here in the community, we're just throwing out seeds. 
We're throwing out seeds. We're, the Bible calls us to be farmers. That's what farmers do. They throw out seed. And the Lord adds, and the Lord waters. And so it's, it's exciting. And we do that for the sake of souls, because people are important. It has been said, has been said, the way you store up treasures in heaven is by investing and getting people there. And by getting people there. When you get to heaven, by the way, you, you ask the Lord into your heart, you're saying, Lord, I'm a sinner, I need you to be my savior. You're going to heaven. But did you know when you get to heaven, um, what we're going to be doing there? We're going to be doing um, a couple of things in heaven. It's important. When you get there, you, it's important to know what you're going uh, to do so you don't look confused. <laughs> so, like, what are we going to do now? Okay, when you get to heaven, the first thing you're going to do, um, it's called the, the marriage feast of the Lamb. We're going to have a dinner together. And that's what I, one, thing, some, one of many things I love about Jesus. He loved to eat. And so we're going to eat together. And then after we eat, um, then it's going to, it's, there's a ceremony that you're all going to be a part of, all the believers around the whole world that have Jesus, asked Jesus into their heart. Um, you're going to have what is called the Bema Seat of Christ. The Bema Seat of Christ is this, what, what do we do with the talents and gifts that God has given us, the resources that he has given us? And so have we invested it, invested it into eternity's sake? And for those that invested in eternity's sake, you're going to be uh, receiving a, a reward. We don't know what those rewards are going to be, but you're going to be receiving an award. And no, some of some of people that are going to be re receiving those awards, you may think, oh yeah, for sure, Billy Graham, and for sure, Franklin Graham, and for sure, Greg Laurie. But you never know. They may be um, a widow that every day she gets on her knees and she prays for people. And that was her calling in life to pray for people. You never know. What what uh, what what people are going to receive? But we have to do our part. We have to be investors. There's a lot of people that that love to invest um, in the stock market. They they love to invest um, and um, certain other things. Let me suggest something for you to invest in. Invest in eternity's sake. Invest in souls. Zero in on the investment of souls. Like how do I do that? Share people the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Be, be a, a witness um, in, in your home and, and just live for the Lord and, and in your workplaces and just point people to Jesus. So it's like um, when there's new homes um, uh, come up, you know, those people at the corners, they have those little signs. You know, they have the music going on and they, they dance. <laughs> and I don't know, for me, I love watching them. <laughs> you guys watch them too? And um, I just think it's hilarious. And, uh, and uh, they get paid for it. Um, and I just like how they're expressing themselves, right? But they're there and they're pointing. They're, they're pointing to, to, to a home. Did you know that we're called to point people to a mansion? In heaven, the Lord has prepared a mansion for us. And let's point people there. And, and what an honor and what a privilege it is that we get to point people to, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's invest in getting souls to, to heaven. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on because there's a verse that, that speaks about that. Now, Paul, I, I love Paul. Paul um, paints different pictures. I like people that paint pictures and causes you to think, and, and they do the what ifs. So Paul does that in verse 28. So Paul paints an interesting scenario, and he says, okay, say you're eating at a table. And say there's unbelievers there, but also, guess what? Say that there's a, a newer Christian there, 
and that newer Christian has a weak conscience. And then they tell you, that weak, the one that has a sensitive conscience tells you, hey, Joe, dude, I know for sure that that carne asada has been definitely offered up to idols. What do you do? Do you get the meat and just like throw it out the window? Well, I mean, what do you do? Well, notice verse 28. Paul gives us that answer and what we're supposed to do in that scenario. Verse 28. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, what do we do? Do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you. Do not eat it for the one who told you. And for their conscience sake. So simply said, the proper thing to do is to not eat it. To not eat it. So the mature believer, as after he hears that this indeed was offered to, to, um, to, to idols and they had this ceremony and, and of um, giving it to, to an idol and smoke and the dance and the whole nine yards. And, and so he knows for a fact that that did happen. And then that meat is before you. The mature believer is not to like pile all that meat on and just kind of look at them and put it on a tortilla and just like nah, 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 all over your face, you know, on your bib, you know. And no, you're not to do that. The, the proper thing to do at, at, at that point is to um, not partake of it. And we don't partake of it for two reasons. Two reasons why we shouldn't eat if there is a believer there that has a real sensitive conscience. Number one, it will cause them to be stumbled. It will cause them to be stumbled. And then number two, it could even cause them to sin. It could cause them to sin as they violate their conscience now. Now, while we do have freedom in Christ, as was mentioned earlier, we do have freedom in Christ. Know this, we are not free. We are not free to harm another believer with our liberty. We are not free to harm another believer with our liberty. For that's not love. For that's not love at all. So it doesn't matter the things that you eat, the things that you choose to drink. We're not free to stumble somebody else, for that's not love at all. And we are responsible to build others up in the faith, in the faith and seek their interests. And when we do so, that is a mark of spiritual maturity. Oftentimes people want to gauge. They want to gauge, like, am I spiritually mature? Am I like, have I like arrived spiritually? One way that you can gauge yourself to know if you are spiritually mature is how do you handle a matter where someone else is real sensitive um, on, 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 on an issue, on, on, on a food item? How do you handle that? Do you handle it to say, dude, that's your problem, man. That's your problem. I'm going to eat away. Um, or you just say, you know what? Okay, I, I, I recognize that. That's real, that's real sensitive to you. Um, I won't eat that. I'll just eat the beans and rice and drink the Kool-Aid. And so, and, but then when you get to home, eat your meat at home. Because you don't want to stumble them. You don't want to stumble them. Because you're thinking about someone else and not yourself. That's Christianity 101. Not thinking about yourself, but thinking about other people. 
Jesus always thought about other people. Philippians 2.1 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem someone else. Let each of you look not for your own interests, but also for the interests of other people. So we're called as believers, as representatives of Christ, as ones that reflect the Lord, we're called to think about the other person and not necessarily ourselves. Now in verse 29, Paul speaks about to consider the other person's conscience. And again, just not yourselves. We're called to think about other people. So he reinforces that thought in, in verse 29. Notice with me in verse 29. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that Notice that you may want to underscore it, of the other, of the other, of the other. So we're called to think about the other. And when we think about the other, the other Christian, that is a loving thing to do. And when you do that, guess what? You are totally fulfilling the greatest commandments of God. What are the greatest commandments of God? There's two. It's important for us believers to know the greatest commandments of God. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus speaks about the greatest commandment of God is to what? To love the Lord. With all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything about you to love the Lord. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you think about your neighbor, the one sitting next to you, and you think about, okay, if I do X, Y, and Z, is this going to stumble them? And if this is going to stumble them, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You don't want to stumble them. And so we're called to think like that as believers. So may we not give in to our personal tastes due to other sensitivities that they may have. Romans chapter 14, verse 14 speaks about that. Romans 14, 14. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother whom Christ died for. So it's not worth it. There is a fine balance. There is a fine, fine, fine balance between Christian freedom and Christian responsibility. And may we always err towards that we're going to be a blessing to others and think about them because they're part of the family. They're part of the family. And because they're part of the family, I want to think about them and their, 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 their interests. C.S. Lewis, some of you guys heard of the name of C.S. Lewis. He was a great theologian of a, of, a, of a Christian. He once said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Now, Paul answers another question, and, and he knows what the Corinthians will, will be asking. And verse 30 notices this other question that um, Paul, he's one step ahead of the, the Corinthians. And notice what uh, he, he, he says to them in verse uh, 30. But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food? 
over which I give thanks. I love this. So the guy at the table says, wait, wait a minute. I said, you know, thank you, Lord, for this food. You know, everything belongs to the Lord, all his fullness. And so uh, I'm going to eat this food. And, and I said, thanks for it. So how do you answer that question? How do you answer a question when it says, well, wait a minute, I, I, I said, thanks for this food. I even, even did the sign of the cross over that garden. I saw that. You know, why can't I eat it? I'm hungry. My, my stomach is growling. Well, Paul gives the answer in verse 31. Paul says, therefore, okay, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Bam, right there. Do all for the glory of God. Do all for the glory of God. That's the answer. We, if you eat this, would this be glorifying to God in front of a, a, a sensitive Christian? So if the Corinthian Christian would have kept this principle in mind from the very beginning, it would have made everything easier in making that decision because our decisions should be that we want to glorify God and know that we cannot glorify God by causing another Christian to stumble. We cannot glorify God by causing another Christian to stumble. It doesn't work that way. To bring glory to God is man's chief purpose in life. You were created, I was created to bring glory and honor to God. That's why we're here. We're not to be glory to ourselves. We're not to make idols of ourselves. You know, take, take a picture of ourselves and, you know, put, a, put some candles around it. Put a banana if you want. Some carne asada if you want. And, and, and worship ourselves. We're not here to glorify ourselves. The key to life is to glorify God. And once we get that right, everything else is going to make sense. Seek ye first his kingdom, glorifying God. And then everything else just falls in place. It's like a puzzle. It all just falls into place. But the key is to keep God in the center of everything. And so let this thought be your guiding principle in life. And so you may, you may be you're here and you're like, okay, I, I want to come to church and I want a nugget. I just want one nugget. Give me a nugget. All right, that's your nugget right there. Let this be the guiding principle of your, of your life. Asking this question, if I do this, will it glorify God? If I take this, would it glorify God? If I watch this, would this glorify God? If I speak this way, would it glorify God? And if you would think about that, if this would glorify God, it will cut away a lot of the fat of the sin. I'm telling you, it will. If you think about that, will this action I do right now, will this glorify God? The way I'm talking to my spouse, does this glorify God? The way I'm talking to my kids, does this glorify God? The way I'm talking about my boss, does this glorify God? But he deserves it. You know, you don't know what he does. Would this glorify God? Yeah, you could talk about him. I can. To the Lord. To the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. And tell the Lord how you feel. Give it to him. Give it to God. There's another reason why we exist, and we're going to conclude with this. Another reason why we, are why we exist. Not only to glorify God, but we exist to save souls. You guys are all lifeguards, spiritual lifeguards. Did you know that? Verses 32 and 33, and we'll be done. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as 
I also, so Paul's saying, I also, so I'm on this too, please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, notice this, but the profit of many that they may be saved. That they may be saved. I love that about Paul. Paul's not one that says, um, that says, what I say, you have to do, but he doesn't do it. No. Paul's life and Paul's ministry were centered on helping people rather than promoting himself and fulfilling his own personal desires. And may we be like Paul in those respects. May we build others up and not stumble them. May we be used by the Lord and be helpers of people's joy. May we not be about self-service, but be about God's service for the sake of souls. The Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. Why is one that wins souls is wise? Hello, they're not going to go to hell and burn for eternity. That's why. They go to heaven. And wouldn't it be a cool thing? I don't know if this is going to take place or not, but wouldn't it be an awesome thing that someone um, in heaven, they come up to you and they're like, hey, I just want to say thank you to you. For why? You told me about Jesus. And you know, honestly, I didn't want to hear it, but I did. And at night, and when I was going through a, a difficult time, the Holy Spirit brought that conversation back to me. And you told me, when's the last time someone told you that the God of heaven loves you. And I thought about that, and I thought about that, and I thought about that. And I asked the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. I encourage you, share the good news. Invite people to hear about the Lord. The Harvest Crusades is right around the corner. Invite someone. Tell them, hey, you want to go to Angel Stadium? I don't like the Angels. I like the Dodgers. <laughs> just say, hey, just come. I'll buy you some carne asada. <laughs> and just come. And, 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 and let the Lord do what the Lord wants to do. Let's be a stepping stone to others and not a stumbling block to people. 1 Corinthians 10.24, let no one seek his own but the other's well-being. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. We should always ask ourselves this question. Will God be glorified by my actions? Will someone be tripped up by my actions? Will my actions uplift other people? You guys are a blessing. You guys are a blessing. Today, your cup has been filled up. Pour it out on someone else. Pour it out on someone else. It's important to come to church every week. Why? Get your cup filled up. So it can be poured out on someone else. More importantly, it's important to spend time with the Lord every day. Get your cup filled up. I found out when driving a car, for those of you who drive, if you don't put gas in it, you're going to run out. <laughs> we need to fill ourselves up with the gas of the Lord so we don't run out. Let's always be on full.